Hey everybody, it's uh, Stephen the Old World Gamer, along with Scott and Devin Kane. Uh, welcome to the Retro Indie Pixels podcast. Oh boy, it's it's gonna be a rough week, folks, because uh, news has been a little um, how do you say it? Uh, it's a little short, and it's a little. Uh, there were a lot of not interesting things to talk about, so yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, so might be a little bit shorter. Might be you know. We might be going on about things that we normally don't talk about, but uh, <laughs> you know, gonna be gonna be a different week. But I think that's okay. You know, just being a little different every once in a while is, uh, you know, it's acceptable. Yeah, yeah. So I will go directly right into right into my news here. Um, All right, and actually, before we start, uh, for okay. anyone out there who uh, who has been watching the podcast. Uh, when we first used to do it, we used to try to keep it around, under around two hours. Um, we're trying our best to try and not make it go over at too much, but as you've seen the past few weeks and since we started, it's been over two hours every time. And uh, for those who, who may not be aware, I always do include timestamps in the description of everywhere that I upload it to. So basically, you should be able to you know listen to up to a certain part and then return to it later. Kind of thing, so I'm hoping that's gonna help out some people. If not, we'll, we'll see what we can do about either shortening it up or finding some other solution for that as well. So, right, so yeah, I mean, any sort of critique, any sort of like feedback that you guys have will be appreciated, and uh, we will definitely take everything that you guys say into, uh, into consideration. All right, so uh, just gonna go over this here quick. Um, Armored Mewtwo is going to be appearing as a five-star raid in Pokemon Go starting uh, next week. Uh, starting next week on July 10th, Pokemon Go players can go up against Armored Mewtwo in five-star raids. This version Jeez. of the Psychic Pokemon will only be avail available for battle for 21 days, so up until the end of July. Uh, the Pokemon's look appears to be based on its appearance in Pokemon Mewtwo Strikes Back Evolution. Uh, Armored Mewtwo will be available starting July 10th to the 31st. Uh, the release times for July 10th and the end times for July 31st are all going to be the same. Uh, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, uh, 9 p.m. EST, and 10 p.m. CEST. Uh, there is no real information on the raid as of right now, and we don't know whether or not Mewtwo is going to act any differently this time or not, so... Uh, they'll have more information for you on the, uh, the, the website when it goes live. So, um, I've seen what, like, the Armored View 2 looks like, so he looks pretty neat. So, yeah. for those of you who are looking to catch yourself a new Mewtwo for Pokemon Go, uh, starting the 10th, which is Wednesday of, uh, next week, as of the podcast here, that we're on the 7th right now, so... You're gonna have the entirety of the rest of July to be able to get yourself a, uh, Armored Mewtwo. Mm-hmm. Alright, um, Nintendo Switch Online service now has over 10 million subscribers. That's crazy. Uh, the, number, the number of subscribers for Switch Online has steadily increased since the service launched in September 2018. Switch Online accounts now for the number over 10 million. Nintendo has announced the new milestone during its general meeting of shareholders this week. The figure is up from 9.8 million, which Nintendo revealed during its Q4 and fiscal 2018 results. Lifetime Switch sales are now sitting at 34.74 million units as of the last report, so there are still quite a few Switch owners who aren't using the service. However, Nintendo expects the number of subscribers to climb with offers to make the service attractive to users. 
one previous offer to subs included Tetris 99 back in February, and the company currently has a deal going for Twitch Prime members. <coughs> the Nintendo Switch Online service includes or includes access to NES titles and offers cloud backups. Um, I am of the 10 million people who has Switch Online services. Um, it's kind of required for a lot of games, like being able to play Tetris 99 online, or yeah. be, like, uh, for instance, uh, my wife and I play a lot of Diablo 3, and that oh, okay. also requires the uh, online fe uh, feature for being able to play uh, seasonal and that sort of stuff. And for what it's worth, it's uh, it's $20 a year. Oh, you know, fuck, that's year. nothing. It's very, very reasonable. Oh, wow, so, yeah, that's super... That's, like, a little over $2 a month. If, yeah, if you can't afford that, and you can afford, like, five and six fucking subscriber subscriptions on Twitch, something wrong right. with you. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the service is absolutely fair. When it comes to, like, all the other subscription services, like Xbox or PlayStation, oh, yeah. which require, like, six months or, or year renewals, and those are, like, 60 to $80 a year... Like, having $20 a year for the Switch Online is absolutely reasonable. And not only that, along with your uh, uh, Switch Online service, that, like they said, that they include access to a lot of NES titles, which uh, Nintendo mm -hmm. has said that they are going to expand on. And we're yeah. talking about, like, actual, like, big titles, like, like The Legend of Zelda, Zelda 2, all the Mario uh, Brothers. They're games. talking about expanding outside of the NES, is what we went right. over last week. That that too so and they're gonna also and all these games are accessible for free mm -hmm. you know you have like punch out you got blaster master in there you got a whole bunch of like really good games oh but scott free. what are you talking about i can go and get an emulator yeah but that's also illegal if you don't own the game this all is a legal way to be able to play these games so and also mind you switch is a handheld so you have like a six hour car ride boom break grab your switch with you and you've got all these the access to all these Nintendo titles. Yep. So that alone is worth the price of admission. The the fact that you are going to be getting access to all these titles. Plus, uh, along with these NES titles, they have specialty modes which allow you to enter the game a little more powerful. Like they they had uh, I know Game Grumps did like a the, an edition for uh, the Legend of Zelda which starts you off with, like, a whole bunch of hearts. Uh, starts you off with hmm. max rupees, the blue ring, oh. the white sword. Jeez. So if you're looking to just jump into the game and play, you know, just, you know, for shiggles, it's like, here's all of the hearts from the overworld. You don't have to go looking for those. If you want to just go and dive into the dungeons and go, you know, just do that, it's absolutely doable. So, And a lot of these games have a lot of those modes where, you know, if you just want to, like, punch out starts you towards the end of the game. I love you know, how Scott you know, abbreviated it as Shiggles. <laughs> I, I use Shiggles a lot. Oh, that's but, good. Um, for, for what it's worth, Nintendo Switch Online is the best uh, online service for its cost of, mm. any, of any service that I've done so far. I agree, so, and I don't own it. <sighs> yeah, $20 is absolutely freaking reasonable. <coughs> God, yes. Uh, Shenmue 3's PC minimum and recommended PC specs have been revealed. Uh, EastNet has updated the set of Shenmue 3 PC requirements that are that now that we're a bit closer to the launch. Though the developer may never officially publish PC specs in the past for Shenmue 3, Kickstarter backers received emails with a set of minimum specs last month as a way to help them decide which platform to go Ooh. for. 
Those haven't changed, but EastNet now has now added the recommended specs for the game. Oh. These are significantly more demanding than the minimum requirements, in some cases strangely so. It's not too out of the ordinary for most games, though. The only thing that continues to stick out is the 100 gig free space oh. requirement. That is crazy. Which is true for both. Uh, the Shenmue 3 PC minimum specs are uh, you need, uh, Windows 7 64, uh, Windows 8 64, or Windows 10 64. Though for Windows 10, the 64-bit OS is required. Uh, an Intel Core i5 4460, 3.4 GHz or better, or a quad-core better, 4 gigs of RAM, uh, uh, GeForce GT or GTX 650 Ti or better, uh, DirectX 11, uh, broadband internet connection, 100 gigs of available space, and a DirectX 9C compatible sound card. Those are just the minimum required or requirements. Now, I don't remember specifically, but if I'm not mistaken, wasn't Shenmue also one of the largest games for Dreamcast back in the day? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, Ooh, it was yeah. kind of to be expected that, yeah, they're finally coming back with Shenmue 3, guys. They're probably going to add a lot of content. It got backed with a lot of money. The developers putting a lot of work and time into it. What do you expect? Games are getting bigger now. Are you going to say when the next Elder Scrolls comes out, like, oh, it's too big? Like, no. <laughs> so. so, the recommended specs are Windows 10, Intel Core i7-7700, 16 gig of RAM, uh, a GeForce GTX 1070, DirectX 11, and uh, everything else is the same. Broadband internet, 100 gig of available space, and a DirectX 9C compatible. Mm -hmm. In other news, EastNet recently confirmed that it will refund backers disappointed in the game-going Epic exclusive. I will talk about that in a little bit. Uh, Shenmue 3 is due out November 19th on PC and for PS4. Nice. Um, 100 gig on the PS4, man, that is huge. I mean, I understand that, you know, like we were just talking about, games are getting bigger. Yeah. But um, you're going to have to buy an external for games like this because, like, a lot of these new games that are coming out for these uh, for consoles are going to be these sizes. And mm -hmm. Elder Scrolls is going to be It's going to be, yeah. This. I'm thinking Elder Scrolls is going to be along the 150, 200 gig range. Uh, I'm, I, I actually think it's going to be bigger than that. And Especially I'm fine. I hope it is. Especially since we talked about it like two weeks ago, where we said that the the new Elder Scrolls game is supposed to last you ten years. Yeah. So imagine how big a game that that's going to be. But you also have to realize too that that might also include like, hey guys, we finally just finished this part, which is DLC, free DLC, and there's probably going to be paid right. DLC as well, which will probably you know incur a lot more hard drive space. The one thing that actually uh, kind of uh, surprised me on this article is that they're not going to be releasing this on the Switch. I figured with the relationship that Sega and Nintendo had over the past few years that Shenmue would definitely try to come back there, but I guess where it's not made by Sega, obviously, then, you know, that's probably yeah. the reason why, so. Yeah, probably, probably makes sense there. So, uh, two-year prison sentence has been handed out to the perpetrator of the DDoS attacks against Daybreak Games. Um... Two-year sentence has been handed to an individual who had a role in the series of DDoS attacks against Daybreak Games, then known as Sony Online Entertainment. Austin Thompson has been sentenced to 27 months in prison for his role in the DDoS attack, which occurred in 2013 and 2014. I do remember 
uh, we did talk about that, like in the first time that we had the podcast, yep. we talked, where we talked about like how a lot of the uh, the Sony stuff was offline because of the tax. Uh, Thompson pled guilty to the charge of <coughs> November in 2018 and was sentenced yesterday. As part of his sentence, he has to pay $95,000 in restitution. The 2013 attacks were made by Thompson's group Derp Trolling and affected online games other than Sony Online Entertainment, known as Daybreak. These services included Battlefield.net, Dota 2, and League of Legends. Deep Trolling wasn't the only hacking group to target Daybreak games. Wizard Squad also attacked the services for Planetside 2, H1Z1, EverQuest, and other Daybreak titles. The year prior, it was even tweeted. It even tweeted a bomb threat to the American Airlines, grounding a plane on which then company president John Smedley was due to travel. Um, I think this is a step in the right direction. I think um, people who do this sort of stuff, I understand that if for most people, this is going to be an inconvenience. This is going to be a oh hey. Uh, Great, now my online game isn't available. I can't play League of Legends for a couple days. You have to understand that, you know, outside of the inconvenience that it's given to the players, the companies who have to handle these sort of things go through so much chaos. They have, you know, like, days. Even though days. you might think, oh, well, I'm just going to lose a, a day or so, there's other people who are like, I'm going to miss a fucking day! Ugh! And so they're freaking out. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just talking about, like, the companies who have to try to fix these things that, you know, that these people do and you know it may be like laughs and shits and giggles for these people or shiggles you know what i'm saying you know these companies who suffer the ddoses have to go through like just so <coughs> much effort to try to get their stuff back online mm -hmm. and i think this sort of judgment and like these sort of prison sentences for people who are doing this sort of stuff is a step in the right direction because it will deter these other hacker groups from doing the same thing i don't know why these hacker groups are attacking these sorts of things to begin with anyways aren't there because better things to attack on the internet isn't there still people out there with like child pornography and fucking like cutting people's heads out murder videos like go and attack that shit man get that shit out the fucking internet like why are you bothering with like oh i'm not a big fan of sony because i like xbox or whatever the case may be or whatever the reasoning is i don't like this guy or i don't like how they're handling their company well, guess what? If you want to fucking change your company, go work for them and change it yourself. No right. fucking DDoS yeah. and all that shit. You're just affecting people just to be fucking dicks. Go yeah, do it to much. someone who needs to have it done to them. Yeah. And it's like, it's usually like the popular thing. Like I talked about like Legends and Battlefield were the ones that were affected. So, you know, it's always the popular games. Oh, yeah. Of all of those. So, like I said, you know, just being able to target these groups that are doing these sort of things is yeah. going to be a deterrent for people in the future to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on. The, the, uh, the next Gran Turismo is already in development. It will be a combination of past, present, and future. Uh, okay. Uh, Polyphony Digital may still be hard at work creating regular content updates for Gran Turismo Sport, but it's already thinking about the next GT. Uh, Gran Turismo series creator uh, Kazunori Yama, uh, Yamauchi told GTP or GT Planet that the team is already working on the next game in the long-running series. But he wouldn't say how far in development the game is. He hinted that it may take after G may take after GT Sport. I think in terms of races themselves and the physics, GT Sport has all, has really reached in the best place that we've ever reached. We're at a very good place. On the other hand, obviously we're working on the next Gran Turismo already, and the world of sport we have achieved through Gran Turismo Sport is something I've always imagined to be the future of Gran Turismo. 
we were able to establish that now. In his travels, Yamauchi saw firsthand the impression of classic Gran Turismo games left on fans worldwide, even if they may seem outdated by today's standards. For that reason, Yamauchi will endeavor to follow that history to play a part in the development of the next game. I think the next title that we're going to create will be a combination of past, present, and future. A complete form of Gran Turismo. Oh, oh. Unsurprisingly, VR interests the legendary creator of... VR interests the legendary creator the most, as far as the next step forward in the franchise is concerned. The first thing that's going to be affected by more power is VR. I don't think that there's anything else that requires that much processing power. I really like VR. I'm one to believe that the possibilities of it, and it's very suited for a driving game. VR is something that really de depends on the evolution of GPU power and the hardware for it, like display devices even. It's, it's something where you can never have enough computing power. There's always going to be that hardware limit, and that limit is never going to be high enough for it. Obviously, that's going to gradually improve over time, and we'll make sure to follow that. So, that kind of hints on what I was proposing last week with the PS5, being that they're going to focus more on high-end with VR and stuff. That kind of confirms it. If, yeah, they're, I mean, if they're focusing on it. Especially with a title which has been just, like, universally popular as Gran Turismo, yeah. you know? Uh, it is a solid racing game. I mean, I, I don't play that much racing games. I do like to play some from time to time. I've done some Need for Speed Underground too. I have mm -hmm. played some Gran Turismo. And I always have fun with them. I really do. Oh, yeah. But I'm no I mean, car person. <laughs> yeah. Racing is always one of those, like, it's never going to be an unpopular genre for yeah. when it comes to gaming. And taking, you know, a franchise like Gran Turismo, which has always been, like, from day one, a super popular series, even back in its roots in PlayStation 1, uh, just moving it on to the next level where it's, you know, past, present, and future, it's saying that, like, bringing the game to a virtual reality setting where you're going to be able to sit down on your couch and feel like you're actually going to be in one of these souped-up muscle cars and racing at 200 miles an hour i think that's going to be like a really new and exciting experience for fans yeah. of the gran turismo series oh, definitely and that that's what makes that that's going to make uh, a lot easier for vr because you don't have to move if you're using vr for a car you're literally just looking around and checking your rear view <sighs> mirror and stuff like that there's none of this like oh i gotta move around oh just knock shit off the coffee table oh there it goes half the kitchen like <laughs> there's none of that you're literally just gonna be sitting there like looking around just you know checking shit out which it makes sense for vr to be with something like racing games it really does right. same thing with shoot 'em ups shoot 'em ups like uh star fox like when you're going through space and stuff Ooh. that would be fucking awesome in vr Ooh, boy would i love that <sighs> <laughs> so, uh, moving on. Cuphead, the delicious last mm. course expansion, is unfortunately being delayed. Uh, it's, uh, Cuphead, the delicious last course, has been delayed until 2020. Oh, damn. WMDHR has announced the delay for Cuphead's the delicious last course expansion. According to the studio, the delay will ensure that the DLC is a great experience when it comes out. While we initially announced the 2019 release date for the Delicious Last Course expansion, our highest priority is making sure that this new adventure meets the meticulous level of care and quality we always strive for at the studio. We want to be absolutely certain that this next adventure feels at home in the world of Cuphead, and is full of moments that surprise and delight players. Furthermore, the development of the original game taught us a great deal about the importance of making things in a way that's healthy and sustainable for our team. This wasn't an easy decision to make, but we're confident in it's one that will result in a higher quality experience that's all the sweeter when it does arrive. 
The Delicious Last Course brings a new island, new weapons, charms, bosses, and the new playable character, Miss, Miss Chalice. Originally slated for a release this year, Cuphead The Delicious Last Course now has a 2020 release window. Um, hmm. I think this is a good idea. I think it's, you know, if you're not satisfied with, you know, how DLC is coming out, it's okay to delay it. I mean, yeah. take, you know, Bloodstone, for example, how long that got delayed. But it, I think it really made for a better game. You of know? course it does. I mean... I don't know uh, why they put deadlines on themselves anyways. Everyone's going to be much more happier. Yes, it's going to seem shitty for, oh, i got to wait extra long, wah. But you're going to be much happier when you get a game that you're not complaining about and spending time complaining about, as opposed to, oh, you got to be super fast, yeah, oh. What the fuck is around? Why is this? Why is this like this? Why is this like this? Okay, to click the clack, gotta go write these guys up. Wait around, see what they gotta say. Are they gonna fix it? Oh, they've they've got a new fucking fix for a new update. Oh, this wasn't fixed though. Now this has changed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, just just take your time. I don't know why you would rush to begin with. Right. Better just to take your time and make sure that your game is a higher quality than to just push it out there and just have people complain about it. Yep. I think that's like what made Bloodstain so like visually impressive as yeah. it was because they did take that extra time because uh, Igarashi actually put out a video just showing how much different the the, the, uh, the graphical quality was for the game mm-hmm. and compared to from the old to the new it just looks so much so fantastically better than it was so you know like I said I was I was you know I really chomping at the bit to get to the game but I was more than happy to wait that little bit of extra time to get a game that it was like so much more visually beautiful than it would have been if we had just got the game early. Mm-hmm. So, um, quick overview here for the new Hearthstone set, Saviors of Oldham. Uh, what's coming next in Hearthstone? The new Hearthstone expansion was announced yesterday evening. The release of Saviors of Oldham will mark the arrival of the usual 130 or so new cards, a new keyword mechanic called Reborn, and a new tar- card type called Plagues. Uh, thematically, this marks the return of 2015 League of Explorers set with Reno and friends doing their bit to resist the ongoing assault from the gang who ran off with Dalaran in April's Rise of Shadows expansion. In Saviors of Oldham Guide, we've got the lowdown on everything that's coming to Hearthstone when the expansion lands since the start of August. Uh, first things first, the Saviors of Oldham will launch for Hearthstone on Tuesday, August 6, 2019. We've not yet heard information about the expansion solo content, but it will likely launch a few weeks after the date once everyone's had a chance to play around with the new cards. Uh, play cards, the Rise of Shadow introduced the scheme card which grows in power each turn that passes. Saviors of Oldham will add plague cards to the mix. These powerful spells will be available exclusively to Priest, Rogue, Shaman, Warlock, and Warrior classes, and all of them have a big impact on all minions on both sides of the board. One example provided so far is Plague of Death. This nine mana priest card silences, then destroys all minions on the side of, or on the board when played. Note that the silencing effect will take care of any death rattlers or buffs in the effect before the minion is evaporated from the board. Uh, keyword: the new keyword reborn is the new keyword from Saviors of Old. The minions who possess this mechanic spawn a version of themselves when killed, but the replacement only has one point of health. So, buyers beware if you're playing against, you know, a mage. Uh, quest cards are also making a comeback with Saviors of Oldham. First introduced with Journey of Ungoro set, these special cards challenge you to meet certain criteria in exchange for a juicy new hero power. The Druid, for example, receives untapped potential. Finish four turns with mana left in the bank, and your hero power will be replaced with Osari, or, or, or Syrian tier. 
This passive effect triggers both on the choose one effects on subsequently played cards. The Warlocks get Supreme Archaeologist. After drawing 20 cards, you will receive Tome of Origination. Use this to draw a card from your deck, that, and that card will cost zero. When Saviors of Oldham launches, the following card sets will form the Drafting Pools of Hearthstone's Arena Mode, which will be Basic Classic, League of Explorers, Journeys <coughs> of Ungoro, Cobalts and Catacombs, uh, Rashtakons, Rumble, and Saviors of Oldham. Um, I mean, these all, st I mean, <laughs> let me just preface my going over this here that I haven't played Hearthstone in a while. Um, I've been playing a lot of Magic Arena, so like, I will talk very little about this, but like, it looks like these, you know, these new play cards are going to be, you know, an interesting new way of playing some of the, uh, some of the classes that may not have as much love for them. Like, this Plague of Death looks really good. Um, Silence and destroy means that like all of your opponent's abilities that just have the death rattle effects are not going to be useful anymore. But uh, it's going to be an interesting new set. Uh, I may uh, just jump in there, open a couple packs, play some games just to see how it is. So, uh, moving on. Uh, oh, yeah. So now we're going to be going into that little portion of the Shemu 3 uh, news that, uh, that I very briefly talked about. Uh, Shenmue 3 backers are unhappy over Epic Games Store limited or exclusivity can re request a refund. Uh, Shenmue 3 was revealed as an Epic Games Store exclusive during E3 2019. Backers who were displeased with this decision can ask for a refund according to ESMAC. Along refunds, the studio and its publisher, Deep Silver, are offering alternative options to a refund. <laughs> one is a key for the original distribution method, Steam. There's one caveat. Backers will have to wait a year <laughs> to receive it. This is due to time exclusivity with the Epic Game Store. Backers can also request a physical copy of A King's Dead. However, the disc contains an EGS installer and not the actual game data. <laughs> a Steam key can be requested alongside the physical copy, physical copy, but again, it will be a year wait. <laughs> Alternatively, oh, PC users can also have the option to request a PS4 copy of the game instead. That we are not able to offer Steam keys for Kickstarter rewards at the time of the game's release is a great disappointment and inconvenience for those backers who were expecting to receive them, reads the Kickstarter update. We deeply apologize for the unrest caused by the announcement. Below is a breakdown of the offers available if you do not wish to request a refund. The uh, PS3 and PS4 options are the version availability, the PC physical package plus disc and Epic Store game key, a PC digital, which is a uh, Epic's game store key, uh, again, you can choose the option to also receive Steam Key, which will be available a year later, PS4 physical packet disc, and the PS4 PSN voucher code. Should the above proposal not be acceptable to backer, said Eastnet, refund requests will be honored. In some cases, depending on the reward tier and because the in-game content has been created and implemented, a full refund may not be possible. Ooh. A new player survey will go live soon, and in the survey, backers need to manually select the Steam key option to receive the key. Details concerning the refund request process will be announced in an upcoming update. All I have to say is that if you back Ooh. a game, you shouldn't be able to request a refund. You should get the game and that's it. That's it. You're done. There's none of this getting a refund. Why should you get a refund? You put your trust and you know confidence into this developer. That's it. You're done. You back them. 
You should be happy that you're getting the game to begin with, or yeah. whatever else. I think the only like that they were saying the caveat is that like the the whole having to wait an extra year to get the yes. game paid for. I think that that's uh, um, I agree with you uh, about the whole not getting the refund pack part or the refund back for your Kickstarter. If that didn't exist, yeah. Um, I think with that existing, I think in this case the refunds I think are okay. Like for 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 kickstarting like blood uh, for bloodstain, you know, I understand that I had to wait a long time to get to get the game, but at the same time, you know, it's like you know I supported it. You know, I am going to have to wait till the game comes out. Um, knowing that there's going to be a release, and that I have to wait a year, eh, I don't know. That's a little different. Um, yeah, I'm kind of. Uh, I'm kind of interested to see how this uh, puts an asterisk on how much the uh, the Kickstarter uh, record for Shenmue is going to be affected at this point. So, I guess we'll have to see in the option or, or in the future uh, what options are the record books are going to take for something like this. Um, uh, I don't know, man. This is just for me. It seems like it's going to be. A little, I don't know, a little thorn in the side for some of these players who have put in all of this money and time, and then being able to say like some people are going to get a refund, but some people aren't going to get a full refund. It's like, well, I mean, that's for certain things too. I would imagine like certain levels is what they were talking about. Right. Yeah, yeah, meaning yeah. like, oh, hey, we're going to send you a physical copy of the art that was done and all this stuff. Like, yeah, are you going to send back that, that art? Because unless you're going to do that, you're probably not going to get fully refunded for it. You know, right. I mean, why would you get to keep stuff and then get a full refund? It doesn't even make sense. But yeah, I feel that if you're kickstarting, if someone goes and, you know, puts funds towards your Kickstarter, that's it. That's their decision. If they decide the next day that, ah, oh, I kind of made a bad choice, too bad. You, you've already made that choice. Like, you don't just eat a bag of chips and then say, Nah, I didn't really like that. I just want my money back now, even though the chips are gone. Like, no, you don't fucking do that. <laughs> huh, some people do. I'm sure they do. Yeah. Anyways. So, anyway, uh, Nintendo Switch Mini leaks once again thanks to an accessory maker. Uh, Nintendo <sighs> Switch Mini rumors are swirling yet again as <laughs> another peripheral manufacturer jumping the gun. A report say that a smaller, more budget version of the Nintendo Switch have been kicking off since as early as April. But not much is known about the device itself other than its position in the market as a 3DS, 2DS replacement. Everyone but Nintendo seems to be happy to leak its existence. After Spanish game accidentally listed accessories designed for the Switch Mini, another manufacturer has now revealed a case designed for the upcoming console. <laughs> An image of uh, Big Ben's silicon sleeve designed for the Switch Mini as well as the package itself have leaked. You could see them all below with the packaging clearly carrying the Mini label Though the Switch Point or Switch Point Two branding is a bit bizarre, uh, you can see those things right there. As you can see, the design is identical to that of the current Switch model, albeit a bit smaller. It doesn't look like the Joy Cons will be detachable, and sadly, none of the complaints about the D-pad look to have been addressed. Um, yeah, this is what I've been saying. All along, like uh, a couple weeks ago, how Nintendo was saying, "Hey, we still fully support the 3DS and blah blah blah," and now this is a thing. It's a Friday night. I need a silicone glove. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, 
I don't know, man. I think this is um, learning oh. about learning more and more about um, about the uh, the Switch Mini is just making me more and more believe that uh, you know this is going to be what replaces the 3DS. Well, the other thing, sorry, I switched up the news page there, but uh, the other thing is that um, I hope that if they're putting out a mini, that they're not going to make it less powerful than the original system. Right. I mean, I don't know how they could, but I mean, this is Nintendo. You know, the 3DS was already, you know, a really powerful system even for its size. I mean, yeah. I mean, look at how you know, small this thing is. Yeah. Yeah, I'm playing a series Zelda game, you know, a full-fledged Zelda game, you know. So, anyway, moving on. Uh, Twitch Prime members are going to get GTA on GTA Online and Red Dead Redemptions this month. Teaming up with Rockstar for big promotion for Premier users, Twitch Prime subscribers who also play GTA Online and or Red Dead Redemption on PC, PS4, or Xbox One are set to receive a bunch of free goodies this month. All you need to do is link your Rockstar Social Club account for your Prime Sub Twitch account by July 19th to reap the rewards. No. This can, uh, once you, once you do, the first set of rewards will be deposited into your account. The stipulation is that you need to have finished the tutorial mission and played for at least 30 minutes in either GTA Online or Red Dead, or Red Dead Online or both. Uh, first and most immediate rewards is $1.25 million in GTA Online, $300 in Red Dead Red Dead Online and Superior Ammo Bundle in Red Dead Online includes 30 di Dynamite Arrows, 60 Incendiary Buckshot Ammo, 30 Volatile Fire Bottle, and 200 Express Ammo for the Pistol, Revolver repeater, repeater, and Rifle. But that's not all. Twitch Prime members will also get weekly discounts on premium items bought through the in-game store in either game, plus an additional 10% off all weekly discounted items. You also get up to 15% bonus value when buying shark cards or gold bars. This is just the first wave, so make sure you're signed up before July 19th to be able to claim the future offers. So, yeah, uh, the Twitch Red Dead GTA Online, get your stuff. Yeah. Not much else to say about that. Uh, Skybound has announced The Walking Dead the Telltale Definitive, has announced The Walking Dead the Telltale Definitive series. Woof. Uh, Skybound Entertainment announced today that it's launching a definitive edition of Telltale's The Walking Dead series containing all four seasons and DLC. The Walking Dead Telltale Definitive series launches September 10th for PS4, Xbox One, and PC via the Epic Game Store. Uh, this incl uh, it includes the series' four seasons, 400 days DLCs, and The Walking Dead Michonne three-part miniseries. This is the definitive edition, though, so the package includes a ton of bonus content, too. There will be 10 plus hours of developer and developer and VO artist commentary. Additionally, Skybound has made gameplay improvements to character performance and lip syncing in the UI. The new graphic black art style brings season four's enhanced visual style to its preceding seasons, including full dynamic lighting to episodes that previously did not receive the upgrade. Uh, you can check out the uh, graphic black art style in the video we're showing right now. Um, and, uh, let me just tell you how thrilled I am to have been able to get through this article and say the name Michon correctly. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah, uh, Michon, Michon. I, I didn't, I didn't say Michni. Which, uh, let me, let me educate you guys something. I don't know shit about The Walking Dead. Okay, 
So I saw the name and I'm like, anybody who actually likes The Walking Dead is going to be offended if I say this name correctly. So I went and I researched how to phonetically say Michonne's or Michonne. 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 Uh, I don't know. But going back to what we were actually talking about, um, Telltale games are going to start very, very slowly but surely. Surely. Woo! become unavailable because of, you know, how we re reported a few weeks back how developer is no longer a thing. So being able to get your hands on these uh, these Telltale series, if you haven't already, uh, these are going to be the, uh, the only way to get these things. So if you don't have these games and you are interested in the Walking Dead uh, Telltale series, uh, now's the time to do it. Uh... <laughs> Moving on, and I actually really wanted to talk about this, and I don't know I why. almost reported this last week. Flappy Royale is the Flappy Bird Battle Royale. Flappy Bird? Huge. Battle Royale? Huge. So this feels right. Flappy <laughs> Royale is a playable online, and the link in the description, uh, if you guys, uh, we have all the links to all the articles, so... Uh, the link will be there, or can be downloaded onto your Android or iOS. Uh, you need Test Flight to be able to play it on an iPhone. And, and it's exactly what you think. You tab or click flap bird wings to fly between pipes, competing against 99 other birds. It's not entirely clear how the multiplayer element actually works. New games load immediately, and the pipes are randomly generated. But you're competing against the ghostly images of 99 other players. Yeah. And it works. It's quick. It's easy to get the grips with. And if you make it past the first five pipes, you're probably going to place pretty well. Hmm. Uh, there's also a daily challenge mode where everyone competes on the same level to try to get a high score. It's developed by Orta Therox and M. Laser Walker with contributions by Zach Gage. Uh, Dong Win, the developer of Flappy Bird, is seemingly not involved. Uh, Flappy Bird is a game with a fantastic, or fascinating history, having been pulled from the store at the peak of its popularity because of Wynn's fear that the game was addictive and would harm its players. The game never returned, although the App Store is full of clones. Flappy Royale, at least, is offering a bit different. Uh, <laughs> I mean, everything's getting Battle Royale games now, man. Hey. Everything. I reported on the Mario one that turned into Infringio Royale, and yeah. I watched Cool Kid play that for a while, and it did look fun. It really does. All these Royale games are kind of fun. I'm just <laughs> waiting for them to do it for Mega Man and Castlevania and fucking Ooh. Metroid and Zelda. <laughs> you know oh they're going to do it eventually. And yeah, eventually. they're going to still get this, you know, infringement fucking thing, so you might as well just make clonish type games of this yeah. shit. No kidding. <laughs> hey, um, just kind of uh, recap something from we had from last week. Uh, mm -hmm. Summer Games and Quick Stream raised over three million dollars with Doctors Without Borders. Uh, the Summer Games and Quick Stream, hosted by Twitch, challenged numerous players to speed run through a variety of games and allowed viewers to donate money while watching to enter the running for various prizes. All all the money raised going to Doctors Without Borders is an independent global organization that proves that aims to provide healthcare where it's most needed throughout the world. Although the stream has ended, you still can donate. Mm -hmm. As of right now, the event has raised over $3 million, absolutely eclipsing any number the event has ever achieved before. Their YouTube channel is full of videos from the stream. Um, there are plenty more where those videos came from if you've got the time. Uh, GDQ has run since 2010 and is the most any single event has raised. 
previous record was set in January when uh, Austin Games done QuickStream raised $2.442 million to prevent Cancer Foundation. The next stream event will be Games Done Quick Express, done on September 27th to the 29th. Hmm. Um, that kind of that line right there, the uh, the the Games Done Quick Express on September 27th to the 29th is like 95% of the reason I'm we're going over this again. But uh, if you guys haven't uh, just watched any Games Done Quick stuff, these guys that are playing on this are absolutely amazing, and the uh, the fundraising that they do for these uh, for the, with these events are huge and you know it's like prevent cancer foundation um uh doctors without borders and all the all these monies just go to the, the really good uh charity so Indeed. if you haven't watched and they if you haven't watched the donations uh not only go to these really good events but a lot of uh, uh all, all the donations put you in for uh, a raffle towards uh prizes that are donated to uh games done quick and some of these prizes are like super big. I mean, I remember they gave away like a pinball machine like last year or something like that. Yeah, they so, have, and they pretty much give out different prizes throughout different parts of the uh, entire event. So you're not just stuck with like, oh, I can only win this. No, there's like, you know, this amount of time or for this game, you, these are some of the prizes you can win while you're donating, and these are some prizes you can win during this game. This helps bring in more money because, yeah, you also get to win a prize, but you're also donating towards a good cause, which is pretty awesome right. uh, I'm not gonna lie I'm gonna try my best to try and get there for next year that would be we'll, awesome we'll cover it we'll cover it All right. oh yeah I'll do live podcasting oh yeah <laughs> alright and the, uh, the last little bit of information uh, news that I have here is something that I kind of am interested in uh, Bandai Namco has announced Blue Protocol a new online RPG um, uh, Scott online... yes you do, do know I mentioned this last week right did we Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did we? Oh, 100%. It was oh, one of my shit. new segments, dude. Oh. <laughs> Did we talk about this? Yeah. Oh, shit. It's supposed to be uh, a new uh, big RPG. Oh, crap. Them, we did go over this. Now I see the picture again. <laughs> hey, uh, by the way, guys. Blue Protocol. Bandai Namco. I really won't play this game. Oh, God. Good stuff. <laughs> it's gonna run on Unreal Engine 4, and uh, it looks pretty cool. And um, we're gonna we're gonna go over to world record. <laughs> oh god, that was good stuff, though. I'm not so gonna um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, you're right. We totally did. <laughs> See, this is this is a uh, what happens when you give the news section to a guy who has like the uh, the short term memory of a goldfish. I'm just uh, throwing on out there. So uh, I got uh, I got speedrun.com ready, and uh, explanations are going to come on the rapid. So if you need to know anything about what the hell we're talking about, I got your back, Stephen. Let's do this. <laughs> All right. Let's <laughs> see. Sorry. We have. I don't know. It's not a big deal. <laughs> All right. So world records for the NES this week. Oh well. Oh boy. Uh, Get ready we have for that Mappy Land, guys. Get ready for Mappy Land. Yeah, Jesus, man. <laughs> Alright, so first, uh, I'm pretty sure this was done at uh, SGDQ, actually. Jackal, any percent two player. Uh, seven minutes, 55 seconds by Rot Dog and Super Pitfro. 
next up we have Quattro Pro, Linus Spacehead, uh, any percent at 9.22 by High Rexon. Uh, next up is Castlevania 3, any percent, uh, 15.13 by SBD Wolf. Mappy Land Baseball Percent, 651 by 01 Ogopogo. Okay, so for those of you that don't know what baseball percent is, there are certain, there are different things. It, it, it's cheese percent and baseball percent. Baseball Christmas percent. percent. And, and all it is is that you just beat the game of, or, or beat all the stages of the last story. So the game's complete when you beat 48. So, yeah, that. Alright, and these switched hands a couple times, so we're just going to go with the most recent, which was Ogopogo with a 651. Next up is Mappy Land Christmas Percent. Alright, so Christmas Percent is uh, beating all of these, all the stages in the third story. So if you haven't noticed a little bit of a, uh, a thing here, there's Cheese Scent Percent, Wedding Percent, Christmas Percent, and Baseball Percent. It's just be all the stages in a Each particular story. story. Yeah. Uh, next, oh, uh, so yeah, Christmas Descent was done in 4 minutes 55.39 uh, seconds by 01 Ogopogo. Next up, again, I was very happy to see the person who got it last week. Not so interested in this one because it's another video with Here's My Time. Donkey Kong, Game A, One Loop, 1 minute 3.229 seconds by Captain Speedruns. They use an FCEUX emulator, but they don't use the button input while they're doing it. Not a big fan of that kind of stuff, personally. But I am not the entirety of the speedrunning community, so... Um, next up is Darkwing Duck, Pathsophist Percent. <laughs> 14 uh, minutes, 6 seconds by I48B. Uh, next is Dragon Spirit, Gold Dragon Percent. Uh, 14 minutes, 8.166 seconds by Mr. Pup G. Exodus, Journey to the Promised Land, first 10 levels. Uh, 11 minutes, 38 seconds by Mix Max to PJ. Next is Metroid, Category Extension, 100% Deathless, New Game Plus. Done in 36 minutes, 3 seconds by Bread for Brunch. Guy is a fucking monster. He is an absolute freaking beast. At, for, at for Metroid, yeah. And, and like I'll say, with like when I was doing my speed runs for Metroid, he was like literally one of the most helpful dudes ever. So if you oh. haven't seen any of his streams, go check him out. He is an awesome dude and worth watching. And uh, speaking of Mr. Bread for Brunch, we also have Metroid Category Extension 100% Deathless, no major glitches, in 49 minutes, 7 seconds by the same guy, Bread for Brunch. I. <laughs> I could barely beat that with the glitches. Like, holy shit, man. <laughs> Next up is Dragon Warrior 4, any percent. Done in 6 hours, f uh, 4 minutes and 55 seconds by the Countess. Next is Mario Bros. 2, uh, category extensions, all levels Mario only. Done in 33 minutes, 20 seconds by Stewie Cartman. Next up is uh, Kabuki Quantum Fighter, any percent. Done in 10 minutes, 9 seconds by Pikachu. Uh, just, just by Pikachu. Like, yeah, no Ash specific. wasn't it was, even it was helping. A, it was just a Pikachu. Yeah, <laughs> none in particular. Just, just, just a Pikachu. <laughs> Golf Grand Slam tournament tournament percent done in thirteen minutes forty five seconds by Burst Error. Uh, no, I didn't have this one yet. Okay, Mappy Land Cheese percent done in four minutes fourteen seconds by Zero One Ogopogo. Up next is Lee Trevino's Fighting Golf Japan Course, 
13 minutes 35 seconds by Matt Holmes. I mean, Next, yeah. <laughs> if you haven't played Lee Trevino's fighting golf, go check out my uh, my YouTube channel. I play a little bit of that. But that's like, that's actually that. pretty pretty hard golf game, I will say. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't think I've played it much growing up or anything myself. Um, up next is Solomon's Key, any percent, 12 minutes, 30 seconds by Metroid McFly. Next is Zelda's 2, uh, 100% Deathless, in 1 hour, 7 minutes, and 1 second by Simple Dude. Wow. Castlevania 2, any percent, Famicom Disk System, 4 minutes by Sathdresh. 4 minutes? Yeah, Damn. that's what I thought. So there must be some huge glitches in the Famicom yeah, Disk System. Yeah, you probably just have to be able to go right to Dracula. Mm-hmm. Just walk. The walk is is most of the run. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Next up is um, Castlevania or no uh, City Connection all levels in thirteen minutes fifty four seconds by Bismarck. Uh, next is I Carry Warriors three any percent done in fifteen minutes seven seconds by Uncle Adork. Uh, when I went to speedruns.com, because uh, it was showing without a video, and so I went to speedruns.com, and it's on a different, uh, it's on some type of Asian uh, website instead. It looks like it could be Chinese uh, browser or website or something, so you might have to do translation there, but yeah. It is a legitimate, there has been some people who have like submitted, oh here's a new world record for this game, and then it announces it, and then it's like, nope, there's no video, so how do you have a world record? What was, it, what was the name of the uh, the name of the uh, the new person? Uh, Uncle Adork. Okay, yeah. Uh, and our let. Go ahead. Yeah, sent you over to like this site called BillyBilly.com. Yeah, and it's all like Asian. Yeah. Characters but, uh, or kanji. Getting whatever. through any Ikari Warrior game like that fast is pretty impressive. Oh like, God, yes. I've never played an Ikari Warrior game, but they're uh, pretty tough. And the last, you might want to look this one up, by the way. Mario, Super it. Mario Bros. Category Extensions. Uh, 144 fireworks. Uh, that probably means, math quick here, calculator, uh, there's, uh, what, 32 levels times 6, which is, one, how many you say? 144. 144. Hmm. All right, I will quickly go over to Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> At least I was trying to. Super Mario Brothers. Uh, miscellaneous. I don't see it. Is it Warpless or...? No, Super Mario Bros. Category Extensions. I have Warpless, any, or 80% All-Stars, and, and Warpless All-Stars. Anyways, it was done in 20 minutes, 48.095 seconds by GTAce99. Hmm. But yeah, that would be 3 times 8 is 24. 24 times 6. That would be it, wouldn't it? Because remember, all your last stages are castles, so you can't get fireworks on them, so... Oh, right, right, So, right. yeah, 24, and then 6 uh, cannon blasts, or firework blasts, or whatever, for each of those levels would be 144. It is 144, yeah. yeah. Alright, all so that just means that you literally have to hit the flagpole on a 6 at the end of every level. Yeah. <laughs> In case you're wondering, 6 seconds left on your timer. Yep. 
All right, and that is it. That's the world records for this week. Let me just save them so I can timestamp them later. And up next, oh, everyone's favorite part. Oh, it's my discovery cue on Steam. Hey, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's gonna it's be discovery good. Discovery time, boys. <laughs> it's your favorite. It's my favorite part. We're about to trash some fucking games that look like dog shit. Let's go. All right, now this first one already. I, I'm liking the title behind, so I'm, I'm I'm excited for this one. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Hell is other. Oh wait, didn't we see something similar? Uh, to this? We, I think we actually we saw Hell's Other Demons last week. No, I don't know if it was in this though, was it? We definitely saw this game last week. Okay, I wasn't it's sure if it was still, in the queue or if I seen it somewhere else. So yeah, it was definitely we definitely saw it last week, but hmm. it still looks good. I might have to double up on my queue then. After show me fucking stuff I already seen. Oh, All right. What? Whoa. Um. Uh... What the fuck? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Let's refresh here real quick. Yeah. Okay, let's view my queue. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's begin. Stop it! <laughs> uh, Apparently, it's not Steam's favorite version of our, of the podcast. Okay, good. Look, it's something to move for. No, we're definitely going to have to go through again. Look at this shit. I'm pretty sure we've done this, this one last time. Look at the next game. Is this the same queue? It looks like it, yeah. No! Our Steam queue! So oh, I have no! to respond to all these right now. Uh, ignore. Oh, it looks like I only got two more left. Alright. Omni Footman. Uh, ignore. Yeah, these are the same ones! Oy! Steam, what are you doing? Ignore. Heroin of Alright, let's start another queue! Yeah, about right? that. Right? There we go! Stranger Things 3, the game. Pixel graphics. Yay. Action adventure, okay. Uh, I will now openly admit that I don't know a damn thing about Stranger Things, so no. I uh, I really can't give any input. Uh, this kind of this gives me like an XCOM sort of feel, I suppose. Yeah, no, it looks like it's uh, real time, though. Like, there's no like stopping for turns or anything. Mm. Like, it's almost like a beat em up. Yeah, right. Isometric beat-em-up, which is rare. <coughs> um, there was an old uh, PlayStation game that I, uh, I'm, uh, I think it's, I think it's called Project Overkill. That was the, the an isometric game like that, and I really liked that sort of stuff. So, uh, it wasn't turn-based or anything. So, uh, it was for me. This was like a really enjoyable oh. game. So, I would say that this could be something really good. Yeah, I can play this. Yeah. Storm Chasers, be one of those intrepid storm chasers in this online multiplayer. Your so goal is to shoot the best twister pictures without dying because of powerful winds and flying debris. Not Debris. So it's Pokemon Snap Tornado version. Yes. Look at this. Oh god, my arms are cut off! Holy shit! Holy Jesus, Stefan, what did you do? <laughs> Man, Twister FM. Up. What the fuck? You really should um, should get that looked at. <laughs> Seven days to What the fuck? Oh, ooh, wow! Look at those rain drops. Why? Why? Oh, 
Oh, there's a tomato coming at you. Get in the truck and see how far you can fly. Just hold on to something. Activating probe. <laughs> yes, bud. Yes, there you go. Take a picture of it, bud. Oh my god, it's coming. Yeah, I'd say it is. Yep, there you go. You, uh, you got your picture, you stupid ass. Uh, and does it chase you then after? Oh no, you're still taking pictures? That's a good one. Oh, uh, yeah. Go, boy. What are you doing? Refueling? <laughs> what? Okay, I'm sorry. So this is Pokemon Snap. Ignore. I'm sorry. I'm not playing that game. Oh, 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 the world is your weapon. Alright, this is a new game that I've, I've seen recently that I wanted to check out because it looked like it might have been good. It was just recently released. What? The world is your weapon. Okay. What the fuck? Yeah. She just literally pick up a goblin and start swinging it. That's it. Oh, yep. they, they literally mean... They literally mean the world is a weapon. You. Oh, I can see what? this working. This this looks fun. I bet you a different thing. Well, I mean, when she was using the fridge, it was had an ice effect. So that's it's, kind of she's unique. She's people with a lake. What? <laughs> what? What's wrong? <laughs> Okay, um, yes please, that's awesome. More than 300 kinds of weapons, aim to complete the weapon gallery, that's awesome. I would play that, world is your weapon, that's kind of cool. That is cool, I like that, that's a Golden great Golden treasure, idea. the great green. For those who carry dragons in their hearts, hunt, explore, survive, and become great among the true children of sun and earth. Okay. Gameplay, please. Please. Gameplay. No, I don't need fancy picture. So, what am I looking? What business do I think you're looking at the game? This is a fucking, like, a visual, isn't it? Ah! I'm not playing this. No. Ignore. I'm sorry. Ugh. Oh. Man, it looked nice, but we got twenty. We got nineteen XDX, man. The Houdini Redux. It is an easy to learn typing party game in which two players fight each other to gather the title of Grand Megas. Oh. Oh. I thought they were trying to spell your name. Right? <laughs> Let me just hit ignore and go to a game that we want to see, maybe. Impale your friend. No! I don't want to be fucking... No. Nope. I'm sorry. I mean, it's cool that what you're doing. Uh, I, You know, cool effects. Yeah. Awesome. Party games. But you're literally making me a cube? That is fucking the easiest yeah, it, it thing ever. exactly like the stick battle game. Yeah, fuck that shit. I'm not doing it. Legionary's life. Okay. Let you play as a Roman soldier 
during the years of the Second Punic War and beyond. Wimsey's words focus on making it home in one piece. It's up to you. Okay. But again... You said... You said... <laughs> Alright, now, can I see some actual gameplay? I don't mind text-based stuff sometimes, but like... See, me and Steve would nerd over this. I know that right now, because it's mostly text-based. But, yeah... I don't want to say I, I would ignore it, but I wouldn't go out of my way to buy it either. Yeah. yeah Soviet. Ooh. Soviet souls. All right. This looks like a cool. What the fuck? Alright. This looks like a cool platformer so far. Playing Stalin. Yeah, what of course. The fuck? <laughs> So this is like Russia's answer to Force. I guess so. <laughs> oh! What the? I know, right? This this doesn't look horrible. I'm not gonna lie. It doesn't this, look. It doesn't. It doesn't look horrible. I just this. I'm so entertained <laughs> by the fact that this is just a Russian bro force. Soviet souls. I would actually play that. I would too. <laughs> I would too. That actually looked pretty cool. I'm pretty sure I. Oh no, this is a new one. I, I have some of the sniper games. I just <laughs> I've never played them. I'm pretty sure I gave some of them away. I can't get into these sort of games. I don't. And don't get me wrong. Uh, usually in these types of war games where you actually you know you're not playing against a billion fucking people, uh, I like playing as a sniper because it's just more fun in my opinion. But, uh, again, not for me. I wouldn't ignore it, but, yeah. No. I don't even need to see a video for that. I don't need it. <laughs> Violent Killer gore, surreal Killer action seven? adventure. Killer 7? Wait, 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 wait. This Killer Seven's an old game. Killer Seven was a Dreamcast, wasn't it? I'm not sure. Oh, oh GameCube. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, yeah? This, isn't a, this isn't a new game. It came out in 2005. I guess they must have remastered it or something. Must it must be remastered. Yeah. It doesn't look terrible, but again, it's not something that I would. Play. Oh yeah, they're even showing it their GameCube four three compared to. Oh yep, so they are. Yeah yeah. All right. I mean, it doesn't yeah. look bad or anything, but again, it's just that much of a game. Yeah, it's just it's... Oh god, if you like pinball, Demon's Tilt. Ooh. Ooh. Um, to say that I like pinball is an understatement. I'm not surprised at all, Scott. Ooh. I actually... I, I, all the fucking I, genres of games that you like are like... <laughs> genres that I don't like go out of my way to play. Like, going to an arcade and playing pinball... I fucking, oh man. I, I won't lie, I, I will say that every time I go to an arcade, if there is at least one pinball machine there, I will play it. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, um, I just I, I just feel respect for the pinball machine. It was the original, the original arcade before arcades were actually a thing. Right. Um, I aspire to one day own a Black Knight 2000 machine. Uh, in my opinion, I think it's one of, like, 
best pinball machines ever made. It's uh, it's it's nothing like revolutionary. It's nothing like super special, but the uh, the sound that it has in the game, like the soundtrack and the music for Black Knight Two Thousand, is ooh, oh, real good, real good. And I am definitely. This is called Demon's Tilt. Yep, Demon's I'm Tilt. Gonna, I'm, I'm literally gonna write so, this down. I can't remember what game it was, but I went, uh, I work as a cable technician, I went to a pl uh, customer's home one time, and I went to fix something for him, and anyways, and when I was in their basement looking over the lines coming into the house, I'm like, wait, is that what I think it is? So I moved a couple of clothes that's on top of it, lo and behold, here's a pinball machine. I do remember it was something popular, like... I don't want to say Star Wars. I know it wasn't the Star Trek one because I seen that at another house, but it was something popular either way. So I was just like, "Oh man!" And yeah, they just had it down there, and they were like, "Yeah, no, we don't really use it or have anything." But we used to have it in a, a bar that you know we used to own or something. I was like, oh, "Okay, is it, you guys doing anything with it?" <laughs> you know, if you're not, I'll fucking take it. <laughs> and anyways, they were gonna get back to me. They never did, and that was disappointing. So. But yeah, I, mean, I definitely at one point in my life when I own my own pinball machine. That I, yeah, I pinball an arcade, preferably for myself. I would love yeah. if I could have any kind of thing like that. It would be an X Men arcade, just because of the double monitor, the bigger fucking oh, yeah. platform there, so that you can have four players. But it wasn't like the NBA Jam four players, where you're all like, "Hey, dude, can you like Crunch get together, out of my yeah. pocket?" Like, you actually had a lot of room. You could sit down and fucking drink on the X-Men 1 and still have lots of room to fucking play the game. Yeah, that thing was a magnificent thing. But, yeah, oh, yeah, they're expensive and hard to find, so... Yeah, one of the uh, one of the arcades that's in my area actually has one of oh, the nice. uh, X-Men games, and playing on that is, ooh, fucking X-Men, welcome to fucking die. Yeah, really. Welcome to die. If you have not played the arcade version of X-Men, you are missing out. And it actually has one of my favorite X-Men, and she's, like, super, like, unknown, and for some reason showed up in that game as Dazzler. And, oh, really? Oh, I don't know why she randomly showed up in, like, that arcade game. But, like, the first time I played it, I'm like, I'm going to play a Psycho. D Dazzler? Oh, Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> That's because you probably had a boner for it. Uh, that too, I mean, of course. Anyways, we're going to move on to my news. I don't have too much news this week. It was a bit of a slower week, but... Uh, first, we're going to hit up the indie retro news. First up, Power Blade. A seriously cool-looking ZX Spectrum game gets a new teaser. So, we're just going to go... Uh, uh, take a, take a look-see here. Okay, they're going to get right into it here. So this is the ZX Spectrum. Now, usually a lot of stuff we've seen for ZX Spectrum has looked very basic. This has actually looks fantastic. This yeah. is what makes me want a ZX Spectrum. And look at that background that's coming up here. Oh, they just they just touch on it. Oh. Wow. This is why I like the ZX Spectrum. The, it, it's, the colors are just so fucking nice. And, like, even the pixel art. Like, this is some basic pixel art, but it looks so good, and you know what yeah, everything yeah. is. Oh, that looks oh, really good. Oh, God. Oh, she's freaking out. That's what happens when you shoot people, man. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. She's coming right for us. Oh, oh, shit. Oh, oh. Stealth. Stealth. Oh, my God. Oh, I don't see shit. Oh, you're done. 
So you do have a stun guns percent. You have your suit. You have your progress of what you're doing and stuff. Yeah, this looks fantastic. This makes me want a ZX Spectrum so bad now. Like this looks good. And I know it's still kind of basic-ish, but it's still just it's nice. Oh, okay. She's using her stealth suit. I'm getting past all the cameras and stuff. Nice. And I like that it's a female protagonist as well. That's kind of cool. I like yeah, that. Yeah, that's always that's always been like one of like my main like I love female protagonists in games. So, I mean, my favorite character of all of gaming. <laughs> yeah, that's true, I suppose. All right, so I don't want to watch. This is a three-minute-long uh, teaser, but last year we gave you a heads up on a seriously cool-looking ZX Spectrum and ZX Spectrum Next game called Power Blade, which is in development by. N1K dash O at NQ underscore SKRJU and team. Jesus. As a top quality inspiration of the same name, which was released in the early 90s by Taito. Well, there's even better news today, as it's not racing related, as the team have shared new footage of the upcoming Jacqueline level, a level that's 90% complete, featuring the music of Nick, or Nick O. As we said before, if you've got a ZX Spectrum, perhaps an emulator for the standard version, or a ZX Spectrum Next for this enhanced version, then this upcoming game, with its high-grade gameplay killing enemies with a boomerang, will most definitely be the game for you. It has great ZX Spectrum graphics, super animation, deadly traps, nasty enemies, addictive gameplay, and from the above video, not only platforming action, but racing and even stealth-based missions that would give many classic commercial games a run for their money. And for those who aren't aware, the ZX Spectrum Next is a new uh, ZX Spectrum console that plays the ZX Spectrum games. Uh, and it actually looks really nice. Uh, so, uh, And made by the original ZX Spectrum makers, Sinclair. So, there you go. Our next game may look very familiar. Berserk. Classic 1980s arcade game by Stern gets an NES conversion. Really? If you have an NES or Famicom, as we've recently been given a heads up by RVG that Parasoft has released an unofficial port of the original arcade version of Berserk for NES Famicom console. Why is this great news, you might ask? Well, Berserk was one of the first games to dynamically generate mazes and have synthesized voices in the 80s. And it's a damn fun game to play as well. I do know that Mr. Mike Matei is a huge fan of that game. Yeah. So, yeah. People are going to end up wanting to play this. Uh, in this game, he plays the mighty green stickman human in the above image and must move through random mazes full of robots. To score points, you must destroy robots by shooting at them. To advance to another maze, you can escape through the opening in the wall. Uh, it's time to escape after a smiley face that can't be destroyed enters and hunts the player. Be careful, he's deadly. Uh, features choose between fast lasers and slow lasers mode. Two players alternate or simultaneous. All mazes. Enemies react exactly as the coin out version. Robot voices as seen on arcade. You can play it on computer, tablet, or smartphone. The NES Classic Mini or any console that runs NES ROMs. NES or the Famicom console. So good news for more NES games. Loving that. Wow. We might have to we might have to uh, recap when they actually give us a, like a cartridge release for for that because it's berserk, man. I mean, yeah, I would love to so get a cartridge like, of that. 
When it comes to like video gaming history, Berserk is like omni important. Mm -hmm. I might actually put that into RetroQuest as well. Yeah. Alright, Realms of Quest 5. An eye opening RPG for the VIC 20 is now available. All right, here we go. Let's have a look at the trailer we have here. <coughs> oh wow, you get to make a huge group of people. Oh crap! <laughs> oh yeah, we were kind of looking at something similar to this before. I think this is as oh, basic right. as it gets. But... Yeah, you're talking about like, this is like King's Quest and some yeah. of, like those older, uh, or not King's Quest, uh, Ultima. Ultima, yeah, there you go. That's or even Hardlight. And not Hydlide. Anything but Hydlide. Actually, Hydlide doesn't have multiple people, so I'm trying to think of that other one. Uh, Might and Magic, was, is it, maybe? Maybe Might and Magic. Yeah. I mean, There's uh, one of those NES games where you're basically, you, you walk around as one character at a time, but you have a bunch of them. I can't remember what it's called now. Oh, uh... Oh, God. This brings me back to Golgo 13. Jesus. Uh, Anyways, well, we know what type of game it is. Uh, so, back in 2014, developer Ghislaine de Blois released Realms of Quest IV and the Commodore VIC-20 through the publisher Cytronic. It's another game in the series is a fine tribute to classic style turn-based, uh, party-based dungeon crawlers of the 1980s with graphics reminiscent of the early Wizardry games. There we go. Wizardry. Uh, if you remember those awesome games, you'll be pleased to know Double Sided Games has finally released the sequel to the Epic Games as Realms of Quest V by Gislin de Bois, Blois at Hitfan 2000. The previous game in the series had wireframe graphics, a 10-level hand-designed dungeon complete with spinners, teleporters, pits, and darkness zones, monsters galore, plus a temple to hear your characters, a shop to purchase and sell equipment, and an inn to rest and train levels. But this latest game has gone much, much further. As according to the original write-up, it now requires 32k RAM expansion, has multiple disc sides, hundreds of monsters, characters, and portraits, many different players and classes, a huge party of up to 10 player characters, uh, and much more. You'll just have to see for yourself. So if you're into that type of game, you probably want to grab a, grab a copy of this. <laughs> or you pink 20. Alright, Relentless 64, a fast-paced C64 shoot-em-up released by Bitplane Technomantis. Oh, boy. oh yeah, I figured Scott would be a little bit more excited oh for this, so let's full screen, oh, let's, yeah. let's do a little skippy, skip a hand. Here we go, now let's get to the actual gameplay. Yes. Okay. It's faster than some of the other C64 stuff we've seen, though. Yeah, no joke. It doesn't look like it's the easiest, either. A lot of obstacles in the way, and enemy movement is uh, pretty good for actually dodging your shots, it looks like. Definitely gives me the, uh, the radius feel. Oh, yeah. Oh! Yep, there you go. <laughs> Instant respawn, which I really like. Yeah, it's a little bit crazy that your ship keeps twirling around, though. It's gonna make <laughs> yeah, it hard right. to figure out like where the fuck your hitbox is all the time. For a game like this, it's probably uh, it's 
every pixel. Yeah, yeah so, really though. Games like this have that tendency to play like, oh, God. how every pixel is your hitbox. <laughs> so yeah, it doesn't look terrible at all. Yeah, it actually looks really good. I'm gonna skip forward a little bit here, see what we got. So you said this is what, C64? Yeah. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Tribute at your shots. Ooh, actually go through the, uh, yeah, the obstacles. Whoa, that is a tight fucking gap. Yeah, right. While it's scrolling, <laughs> holy shit. I really like this. Yeah, it's not this bad at all. Really, really, really nice. All right, so, um... <laughs> Bitplane Technomans has released a fast-paced shoot-em-up called Relentless, a C64 conversion of actually a CPC 16 kilobit... Uh, our kilobyte game, Relentless, which was originally coded for the 2013-16 kilobyte cart compo and ending up as a winner in the competition. RGCD has said Runner 64 is a high-speed, non-stop, score-chasing shmup with some neat score-chaining mechanics. The enemy waves come at you thick and fast, and taking out an entire wave rewards you with an increasing score multiplier. We're setting back to one time should you miss a ship or crash. The game features plenty of enemy ways to keep you busy, dangerous landscapes to tra traverse through, a great soundtrack with inclusive sound effects, chain high scores, and finally multiple zones to fuel your shoot 'em up addiction. Hmm. Looks good. Looks mm -hmm. good. Should give it a try. Looks uh, looks really really good for some, especially for C sixty. Oh. All right. Next up, we have another one actually. Death Weapon. Blasting wave quotas via an Arena C64 shooter by C64 CD. Alright. Now let's skip to where we get to actually see gameplay. This is different. I was gonna say you're not shooting anything, dude. If I can shoot something. Alright, what am I looking at? Okay, I'm not a big fan of this, personally. Yeah. It looks like it's just like a one screen thing, but like. Yeah. It, but it's, it seems fairly basic, is the only thing. And again. Yeah, that's a problem. Like. For this sort of stuff, you need to be on multiple screens. Unlike the scrolling shooters we have been used to playing throughout this year so far, Death Weapon is an arena shooting game in which you need to destroy a quota of enemies in a level before moving on to the next stage. C64 CD has said Death Weapon has a number of inspiration to its gaming style, as the game isn't just inspired by Death Dealer, a simple action game which was developed in the late 80s by Jeff J. Gosden and exists in a second form as the perfect weapon, but also inspirations from games such as Hallucino Bomblets, sub-game from Battleix by Jeff Minter and Andrew Braybrook's Intensity. Basically, the game features reversed fire action gameplay, background and parallax graphics, and nifty tricks such as more colors than are usually present on a C64. Okay. So I guess to use some of the data to just import more color? Because, I mean, if you're only going to be using, like, arena style, there's not going to be that much. You know, you don't have to worry about scrolling and stuff, so. Right. Yeah, I definitely, like, <coughs> when it comes to games like this, I definitely... Uh, an arena shooter is 
So mm-hmm. that's a little bit different. So mm-hmm. I'm guessing for like for what it's supposed to be, it doesn't look too terrible. No, but, not at all. <laughs> but uh, this sort of thing really kind of. Yeah, it's going to be. It's, it all depends on what type of shmup games you like to begin with. And right. again, I'm not a big shmup player, and this is definitely not up my alley for me personally. So. Alright, our next one. Ice Cold Beer. Have a drink on us in this new C64 game by Megastyle. Alright, if I have any inkling as to what this is, I'm thinking Tapper. Maybe like Tapper, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait now. We might be... Oh, wait now. Oh, okay. Wow. So, this is. Oh. Alright, I, I, I. This is. Uh, trying to. Remember what they're called. People have been making these, um. The, the, these games themselves, and people, like, have, like, ex- like the actual box, like, the things that they make, and. They, they call it pinball because it's sort of like a what an original pinball game is supposed to be about but um, they, you can find on YouTube where like people have like actually made like physical games like this yeah games I know what you mean like this. I used to play a lot of these growing up where you have to you have like four little balls inside of a, a like a round thing and you have four little like dimples that you have to try to like roll it around and get all four balls into the dimples mm-hmm. without like all of them popping out. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it kind of reminds me of that, but obviously you're doing one at a time. This actually looks very difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they said. These, these sort of games are actually really hard. Oh, God, yes. Look at this. Oh! <laughs> okay, uh, I'm going to try to do that quick research. All right, so the RGCD C64 16 kilobyte. um cartridge game development competition 2019 was very busy this time around for awesome c64 games not only uh, as not only did we have let's invade 2 dice skater robots rumble and lala prologue to enjoy now we have ice cold beer to keep our c64 cool through the summer months this game released by megastyle is an awesome looking c64 game as a digital version of a mechanical arcade game released way back in 1983 by taito as the description of the website says, today in 2019, Megastyle proudly presents a digital version of this great classic, especially made for the Commodore 64 personal microcomputer. To enjoy this game, you'll need either two joysticks in each port, a joystick and keyboard, or you can play using a keyboard only. Tilt the bar back and forth to nudge the ball into the lit hole, while avoiding the others. When the ball is deposited, the ball and bar return to the bottom of the playfield, and the next target lights up. So Ice Cold Beer C64 was made by Jamie Fuller. All graphics and music were made by Roy Whitting. And it was developed by Megastyle in 2019. Hmm. So that looked fun. Uh, I would play that. I was not successful in finding what that's called. Maybe I'll uh, try to update that next week. Yep. I'll remember that. Alright, so Galaga announced as the next quarter arcade cabinet with more, uh, two more to come in 2019. Uh, following last year's launch of the quarter-scale replica of the original Pac-Man arcade cabinet, Numbskull Designs has announced that it will once again team up with Bandai Namco Entertainment to release Galaga as the second installment in its quarter arcade range. 
Generally considered as one of the world's most innovative arcade shooters from the early 1980s, the official fully playable quarter-scale replica of Galaga start, uh, stays true to the original arcade cabinet with everything from its artwork buttons and joystick to its wire mesh vents and screws exact replicas of the arcade unit. The miniature version of Galaga arcade cabinet is fully playable and set to play the original arcade ROM on a bespoke emulator. Further, the unit is said to be portable with its rechargeable internal battery, uh, letting you take it on the go or display it at home in a track mode. The Galaga Quarter arcade cabinet is set for release in September 2019, with pre-orders being taken from Numskull's website. Numskull Designs has also confirmed that the previously announced cabinets of Miss Pac-Man and Galaxian will be available in November 2019, while also revealing that Track and Field, Dig Dug, and Space Invaders will follow in 2020. Nice. Um, I've seen these machines show up, like, a lot recently. Like, mm -hmm. even, like, places like Walmart are selling yep. them. you can get them at Walmart and, uh, and, uh, and Best Buy. They're really, they're really not all that expensive. Like, nope. getting, like, an actual stand-up cabinet for these games are, like, are, like, six, seven hundred dollars. Like, the mini ones are only, like, two to three hundred dollars, so. Yeah, three to four here, more or less, yeah. Yeah. So, like, if you want, like, your, your authentic game stuff like that, the minis are absolutely a good buy if you're just looking to, like, fill out, like, a, maybe, like, a little mini arcade. That. And before anyone jumps the gun and says, oh, this isn't, like, a real arcade, it's still, they're teaming up with Bandai Namco Entertainment. Mm -hmm. So it's not like they're just ripping it off. It's a legitimate yeah, it's fucking be... arcade. Yep. The, and I've actually played a couple of these. You know, they, have, they actually had... Um, uh, some of them on display at one of my local Walmarts. These yep. games, they work exactly like the arcade games do. And even though they're shorter, and you're thinking, oh, well, then I'll be crunched, you know, crouched down, you can actually get a little piece that goes underneath it that raises it up to arcade mm -hmm. level. So, yep. I mean, yeah, these can be pretty awesome. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Great for Christmas gifts. Yes, sir. Wink. <laughs> All right. Berserk is now available for your trustworthy NES. So yeah, as we mentioned earlier, Berserk, and it, I forgot that I had already brought this up somewhere else, but you can purchase it on itch.io for those who are wondering. That that was probably the reason why I left it up there. It's available for US $1.99. You can get it f at the following link. <laughs> it's provided as a ROM file, so you need an emulator or another way to play it on your original NES, but that's fine. All right, next thing we have here is of course PC Gamer not showing me stuff. Knights of the Old Republic with a three gigabyte character overhaul. Wow. Uh, thanks to e Ezergan, uh, E-S-R-G-A-N, that's Enhanced Super Resolution Generative Adversarial Networks, a variety of old games are getting spit and polished. You see Morrowind, Final Fantasy VII, and any game with a pre-rendered PS1 background get the neural network makeover some impressive effects. <clears throat> Earlier this year, modded, uh, modder Red11BY did the same thing for the characters in Star Wars and Knights of the Old Republic, Bioware's 16-year-old RPG. The mod included new HD textures for every single NPC and uh, coder, both human and alien, as well as HD textures for all the game's armor sets worn by the player character, upscaled to a resolution of 2048 by 2048 thanks to ESRGAN. It's a 3GB download, but it seems like a worthwhile addition if you're in the mood to replay one of Bioware's best games. You can download it from Nexus Mods. There you go. And uh, honestly, if you haven't played Knights of the Old Republic, 
it, even it's I good. played Knights of the Old Republic, and I'm not even a Star Wars. Yeah, it, it's 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 a good game. All a lot of the older um, Jedi Academy and stuff too. Those are all fantastic Star Wars games. Well worth the play. Yep. Alright, and our very last thing. Final Fantasy VIII Remastered. Release date, news, and rumors. Can't wait. Square Enix's E3 2019 conference had a lot in store for Final Fantasy fans. Alongside new gameplay footage of the upcoming Final Fantasy VII Remake, Square Enix also revealed it is remastering Final Fantasy VIII for the modern era. Personally, after Final Fantasy VI, Final Fantasy VIII is my second favorite uh, Final Fantasy game of the entire series. Take that, Final I have... Fantasy Seven people, Scott. <laughs> uh, I, uh, well, I can't say that Final Fantasy Seven is my favorite. That that definitely goes to six. Oh, but, um, but uh, I have not. I did not have the opportunity to actually finish Final Fantasy Eight. <sighs> so, like this new remaster is going to be like a definite purchase for me. And I'm definitely going to look forward to, for what I understand, that there's going to be updated voice acting in the game. So I'm really like, ooh, this is going to be something exciting for me. And uh, being able to actually finish Final Fantasy VIII for me will be like that little, you know, feather in the cap for like, hey, I finished like all the Final Fantasies from four all the way to ten at this point. So. Right. And for what it's worth, for the screenshots that I've seen about the remaster, you know, just for like the couple of you know the couple of screenshots, we the, the, the Squall and Renoa screenshot there, they had one for Keystis. Mm -hmm. They all look really, really good. So, seeing as they have a remaster trailer, let's go have a look. Oh, we'll have, we we have a trailer. Oh God! And this 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 right here, uh, or actually that, that first scene where they. When you first turn on the game, that's what actually attracted me to this game to begin with. That looks fantastic so far. Mm -hmm. uh, every, oh, everything looks. This is oh, this is what we wanted. This is what we were missing for Final Fantasy VIII. Now, now I can understand how Final Fantasy VII uh, fans have been feeling with the remaster. This is mm -hmm. fucking beautiful. Get me some more of that Renzuku can. Because I mean. The fucking yeah, these these cutscenes that they had throughout wow. the entire game were fucking amazing for the PS One. Yes, like for that time, it was just like, oh my god, this is crazy yeah. good. And the, I mean, I can't wait to see like the like the entire opening new scene, like the the Squall versus Cipher fight. Like, oh yeah, ooh, it's gonna be so good. Yep. Oh my god. Let, let me throw out there that my favorite Final Fantasy character. Time Noah. So I'm just ah, gonna, nice. Gonna nerd over Renoa, but I'm just gonna stay in there. <sighs> yeah, I, mean, I play. I play this game, folks. I play this game, and uh, my playmat is a Renoa playmat. Yes. It is just. It looks so good. And yeah. I play, if, whenever I, I do this game. for fucking Retro Quest, I probably will be playing the remastered game because this looks so oh, much yeah. nicer. Mm-hmm. Oh. So anyways, Final Fantasy VIII Remastered was officially uh, announced at Square Enix's E3 2019 conference, but we didn't get many solid details about when exactly the game will release, or what the remastered visuals will actually look like. The announcement trailer revealed that the remaster will arrive sometime in 2019, but didn't specify when. This is a remaster, not a remake. It's important to note that Final Fantasy VIII is being remastered, not remade like Final Fantasy VII. 
Yep. What exactly does that mean? Uh, the Final Fantasy VII Remake is a complete reinterpretation of its original game, which means that while fundamental gameplay story and title will stay the same, almost every other aspect of the game has been redesigned for the modern era. Square Enix is essentially making an entire new Final Fantasy VII game. However, a remaster involves improving certain technical aspects such as sound and graphics of the original game to bring it more in line with modern titles. In the case of Final Fantasy VIII Remastered, Square Enix has revealed the game is getting new and improved visuals alongside the addition of some quality of life features. Uh, some new features. Alongside improved visuals, the Final Fantasy VIII Remaster will be getting a bunch of new quality of life features to make gameplay a bit smoother, including new speed options, an option to skip random encounters, and battle assistance. Wow, random encounter really? skips? Final really? Fantasy VIII Remastered on PC will have its own exclusive features such as customizable system settings, an option for players to acquire all items, abilities, cards, and specials, and the ability to max out in-game currency, character level, and spell supplies. Voiceovers. The original Final Fantasy VIII didn't have voice acting, but it looks like the remaster may be getting some. According to a post by NeoGAF user Ultros, the Final Fantasy VIII Remastered website source code suggests both English and Japanese voiceovers will be added. The source code says, with fully overhauled visuals, see your favorite character come to life like never before. Final Fantasy VIII Remastered is an RPG available in English and Japanese voiceover, and is also text localized into French, Italian, German, and Spanish. I am fine with them not remaking the game. I don't think it needs to be remade. I think that, honestly, it was ahead of its time. I mean, it, when you compare it to some of the other Final Fantasy games, they, they kind of have this kind of medieval, technological kind of mix. But Final Fantasy VIII kind of made you feel like it was a, like a technological advanced society right from the yeah. get-go. Gunblades? I mean, come on. <laughs> you know... <laughs> so, yeah, no, I'm very, very much looking for a remaster of Final Fantasy VIII. It's going to look spectacular. Yes, sir. <coughs> I mean, I'm looking forward to this a lot. Like I said, I haven't been able to finish it. But, mm -hmm. you know, there are some really good players out there who like, hey, I can make Lionheart and Disc 1. Like, bitch, how? <laughs> like, how? How do you Lionheart and I've 100% uh, of this game uh, the only time that I finished it and I enjoyed every fucking minute of it. Once you get to some of the later parts of the game, you will find yourself addicted uh, to doing what you're trying to do and not wanting to stop. Like usually with most RPGs I can say okay, I've done some grinding, I'm good for now, I'm just going to put it down and go do something else. I found myself always coming back to Final Fantasy VIII <laughs> as soon as I put it down and be like oh, yeah, I should have went and done this. And I'm like, oh, let's just power on for another, like, five minutes and two hours later. <laughs> so And let's, let's just say the triple triad is the blitz oh. of Final Fantasy VIII. Ooh! Throw that out there. Oh, yeah, triple triad is a fantastic card game as well. That's, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, that's so I think good. Out of, like, out of all the mini games, out of all Final Fantasy, Blitzball is definitely my favorite. But triple triad is a very, very close second. Oh, God, yes. And, yeah, Blitzball um, is really nice too. Yeah, I did enjoy I'm Blitzball hoping, quite a bit. I'm hoping that this remaster does some. They said they were going to change some things about how you get magic. I'm really hoping that there's going to be an option in there where they could, where you can just be like, you don't have to sit and continuously draw over and over and over again. Yeah. I hope there's a system where you could just be like, hey, I, I, I just want to sit here and grind fucking Ultima over and over and over again, but it's going to take me an hour. Maybe there'll be an option in it where it's just like. Hey, you go to like a draw station. It's like, hey, do you want to max this out? Instead yeah. of like 
instead of taking a half hour to an hour of sitting there and just drawing one Ultima over and over and yeah. over and over again, you're gonna be able to just go to a draw station, boom, you're maxed out. Yep, I can see that. I think that would be that was like one of like my main complaints for the game was the draw system is a oh, little. That's tedious. what everyone's complaint was with the game was the draw system. And well, that and the junction system was really. Really complicated. Yeah, once you got used to the junction system, it was actually pretty good. Yeah, uh, but I just, uh, I just got auto junction all the time. I will also admit that at, when I first played the game, I wasn't a fan of the draw system, but I came to accept it and didn't actually mind it eventually because again, the gameplay itself and the story was so good that yeah. it kind of trumps a little minor inconvenience, is what I'll yeah. call it more than anything else. I agree. So. But anyways, uh, that is it, everybody. That is our uh, podcast for this week. A lot shorter than usual, I know. So, uh, But again, there wasn't much news for either one of us. We don't want to go and embellish on news that we don't really care about. Yeah, to, to, to make it as blunt as possible, yeah. Because, I mean, yeah. there's a lot there, of stuff there. that we could cover, but, I mean, why are we going to cover something like Battlefield or Fort... Like, there was so many Fortnite stories that I'm not going to cover that. I mean, you could I mean, do a I'll whole cover, other podcast. I'll cover on Fortnite when it comes to like new season stuff or something like that. Like, hey, season ten is gonna. gonna well, come something out. that you would find important enough, exactly. Right, but I'm not gonna sit there and tell you about every little update when there's a new gun or a new skin or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. It's not, it's not important. So, so, yeah. There we go. So yeah, I guess uh, the only other thing we didn't have a topic. Uh, we did kind of do a small. Um, kind of feedback thing, just trying to find out from people what they did like, what they didn't like. A lot of people have more or less said that the podcast was a little long. Uh, we're hoping to try and keep it under two hours as best we can. We've taken out the gaming deals, um, but I think with what we have right now, we're up to a, like an hour and 35, more or less. Right. And so, I mean, if we added a topic that would bring us up to about the two-hour mark, I think that would be generally good. It's just, I think we got to just try and stick within a certain amount of topics for news and stuff. Um, With their own certain uh, idioms, sir. Yeah. Idiom. And there are times that, you know, if I see that there's like 50 new fucking NES games coming out, I'm probably going to tell you about every single one of them. I'm not going to be like, <laughs> I'm only going to pick 10. Like, no, I'm going to be like, guys, 50 NES games, it's going to be a five-hour podcast, don't like it, use the timestamp. Yep. But, yeah. No, uh, we're going to try and keep it under two hours whenever we possibly can, but, I mean, sometimes we're going to run over, and if there is a, a lot of news that we feel is important enough, we're going to give it to you. So, uh, no Kickstarters this week. I didn't really see anything that was overly uh, standout-ish. It was mostly a lot of stuff that we've already covered, so um, I left that alone for this week as well. But, uh, yeah, other than that, I think we covered some great stuff. Uh, really looking for that Final Fantasy VIII remaster now. God damn. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, we're going to see who can we host, because we're, we're going to be hosting somebody up, but we'll be back very shortly for some Diablo, so. One time, please. Oh, boy. So we're hoping to see some of you guys back for that. Again, if you're busy, no big deal. Thank you for joining us as well. Uh, let's have a quick look here. Oh, oh, let's host up. Here we go. Scott might enjoy these people as well. We're going to host up Moonbeam Arcade. Uh, it's usually Pete and Amber. They do um, their little streams. I shouldn't say little streams. They do their streams of uh, 
old retro games. Pete uh, actually worked on console games back in the day as well. So he actually has real life experience with uh, game development and all this other great stuff. He is now a um, video recorder of fetish pornography, I think. So anyways, uh, we're going <laughs> to throw you over at Moonbeam Arcade. Have yourselves a good evening. We'll see you next week for another podcast, another Retro Indie Pixels podcast. Yep, and we'll be, we'll, uh, for those that are still here, we'll very soon be able. Indeed. Have yourselves a good evening. Say hello to Moonbeam Arcade.